It's Billy Ray's vase, right? I own this vase, and I can play like Harlem Globe try to shit with it in, right? Okay, you want Mel Lemon shit, right? <laughs> hey, man, I'm sorry about that. Perfectly all right, William. It was your vase. That's a cheap vase, man. That was a fake, right? I think we paid $35,000 for it. But I seem to remember we estimated its value at $50,000 for the insurance company. <laughs> you see, Mortimer, William has already made us a profit of $15,000. <laughs> you want me to break something else? No. Right now, who are these guys warring with you? Well... I woke up this morning and started going through the headlines and saw this on Twitter from the Dallas Morning News account. Dancing with the Stars super fan from the tickets says Nile DeMarco should win it all. And there's a picture of Tony, Tony Smith, our engineer. I thought, wow, okay, Tony's getting some pub on the Dallas Morning News. He's the only straight male in America who likes dancing with the Stars. Yeah. So I read along here. It says, mixed in with the tickets, sports, and entertainment segments targeted for that all-important men 2554 demographic. Uh, demographic. It's a bit, it is a bit with engineer Tony Smith, a guy with uncanny, almost savant knowledge of ABC's Dancing with the Stars. Blah, 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 blah. Down on KTCK uh, AM, KTCK FM. By his county scene... 370-something episodes mm. and has been in the audience... That's a lot of non-sex he's having. <laughs> and has been in the audience three times. More if he could score tickets without having to go through the random email selection. Danger with the stars. Ticket, with the stars. Hosts, <laughs> ticket hosts give him guff, but they seem more amazed at his depth of knowledge. Quote from Tony. Sure, I catch some grief from the ticket guys, but most have been fairly supportive. Including the hard line, Smith says. That does not include Bob Sturm and George Dunham, who I think are actually disgusted by it. <laughs> what have I ever given off that vibe? I've just kind of gone around for the light. And for the, a little red as, dirt war has no. Well, howdy ho, everybody. This is the Ballroom Blitz. I am Tony the Engineer. Welcome back. Well, here we go. Episode 9 of the Ballroom Blitz. We'll be covering week 8 of Dancing with the Stars, season 30. And, of course, that occurred on Monday night, November 8th. Now, full disclosure up front. <laughs> I'm really exhausted as I do this. I'm actually drinking right now uh, an alcoholic beverage. And... <laughs> We're approaching midnight, I guess. So would it be Friday morning? Yeah, something like that. So it's been a hell of a week. Uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of weather delays, a lot of uh, studio availability, a lot of working. And I'm just trying to squeeze this in here. Um, so 
I apologize ahead of time if I'm going to sound a little groggy. I hope not to. I don't know if the alcohol is going to help or not, but I felt like I needed a drink. So <laughs> that's what we're doing that for. But uh, I can't wait to talk about the show. It's just it was very hard fitting it in this week. So bear with me if it is a little worse than usual. And God, I hope not, huh? because it's bad enough the way it is. Some people are probably thinking. Well, before we get into the show itself, it was Janet Jackson night, by the way. I wanted to just touch base with you here real quickly about the Derek Huff show that he has right now going on in Las Vegas. It's called No Limit. I can't remember if I told you guys I was going to it uh, last weekend or not, but I did go to Vegas last weekend just specifically to see that show, uh, No Limit, that Derek was headlining. He's doing it concurrently with his Dancing with the Stars duties. You know, He's uh, doing the Vegas show Wednesday through Sunday night. Flying to L.A. on Monday and flying back on Tuesday, I guess, and then getting ready for a show again in Vegas from uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Sounds kind of crazy, but he said he did that on purpose. I think he's just a, he likes being busy and staying active and high energy in life, I guess, he leads. And we may have talked about this one other time. I can't remember again. But uh, in season 20, when he was an actual pro on the show still, he had a par uh, partner, Nastia Lewinkin, who was a student, uh, the gymnast, who was a student at NYU. And he was actually performing, I believe it was at Radio City Music Hall, and he was doing 13 shows a week, I think a couple shows a day. And Monday they were dark. So Monday he would fly out to L.A. from New York and do a dress rehearsal with Nastia and then fly right back and then work all week again in uh, New York. She was a student, like I said, in New York, so they would fit in any kind of uh, rehearsal time they could between his working the shows uh, at Radio City Music Hall and her going to school. She would fly back out to LA on Saturday and be there Saturday and Sunday and dance with somebody else for rehearsal, usually Henry or Sasha. And then, like I said, Derek would fly out on Friday so, or Monday and then they would dance that night and boy, do it again. What a hectic schedule. He's actually said this is a piece of cake right now because uh, it's a very short flight, of course from Vegas to LA, and he is a judge now, not a performer, which is 10,000 times easier, I guess, and it makes sense it would be. But I went to the show, it was at the Venetian, and uh, the, the Venetian is a huge complex, and I actually went down a day early to go find the uh, Summit showroom, which is where his show is gonna be. Took me a while to find it, but I did, and of course there was the marquee and the poster and everything. I uh, looked around for a second, but I actually went to the restroom down the hall. And as I was walking back, looking at the marquee and the posters again, something caught my eye uh, and I looked over and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I don't know how I missed it the first time. It was a glass trophy case and it had all six mirror ball trophies that Derek Huff has won on Dancing with the Stars. And I'd never seen the trophy up close. You know, I've seen it a lot. And one time I got a kind of a close view. They had it at the judges table when I was there for a finale uh, attending the show. And they let us out on the dance floor and I went over and kind of stared at it. But I don't have a camera or anything because they take that from you at the show. So when I saw that trophy case, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I must have took a thousand pictures of it. And uh, he had all six of his trophies, like I said, even the real early one from Brooke Burke in season seven that had the cursive uh, lettering still on the ball instead of the block lettering, which they switched to in season 10, I believe it was. Uh, so that was that was quite a, a find for me. And then I went to the show the next night and, you know, it was an intimate setting. Uh, I've seen him and his uh, uh, sister 
Julianne in shows before and Max and Val in shows before touring the country. And they've always been in pretty big venues, you know, several thousand people. This one held, I think, as they said, 700, but it seemed much smaller than that even. It was a very intimate setting, and that really added to it. I was very fortunate, too. I had uh, seats in the second row. I had bought my tickets way back when they first announced it back in the summer. And so super excited about that, and I'm so close to him so many times. He interacts with the audience. He looks at people, and uh, he tells funny dad jokes that are that are corny, and he'll look at, look at you funny and Boy, you just—I couldn't believe how close everything was and how into it you felt as a as a person watching the show. Well, he headlined it, of course, along with his uh, girlfriend Haley Ebert, and she used to be a pro on Dancing with the Stars, and they were out there a lot. And then he had five backup dancers, uh, three females and two males, and then he actually had three musicians there too. You know, they could have done piped-in music, but they didn't. They had a guitarist, a drummer and a saxophonist, and that really added something to it also. They were good, and uh, he highlighted them like he does with everybody in his show. And, you know, he's the master showman. The guy can do everything. He can sing, he can act, he can play instruments, and, of course, he can dance like nobody's business. He does it all, and he did it all at the uh, show. There were all types of music in the show. Of course, he had ballroom and Latin. There were jazz, rock and roll, Motown. Uh, he even did a uh, act or solo with him, doing Hotel California, and he was just playing the guitar and singing. And it, uh, it was very entertaining the whole night, for sure. Full of enthusiasm, the whole the whole cast was. He always is full of energy, just positivity. He would talk, stop and talk to the audience occasionally, and, and it was always so positive. Uh, a very G-rated show, I guess you would say. And uh, there were all ages in the audience, you know, young kids, uh, I mean, not real young, but, you know, younger kids, younger adults, uh, middle age and older. And I think he's just got a broad appeal to a lot of people. And the show was so fast paced that you never got bored. And it seemed to go really quickly. I think it was a 90 minute show, you know, and, and I really loved it. And to show how much I liked it, first thing I did when I got back to the hotel room was I got on the Internet and I'm like, can I go to another show? <laughs> <laughs> and he's only there for a couple more weeks. I think November 21st is his last show, and that would have been the only one I could really attend. Would have cost a ton and a lot of machinations to get there, but I was willing to do it, but the show was sold out, and then I looked at all his other shows were sh sold out too, except for a couple, and there was only a few seats left. So uh, very popular show. I think everybody liked it and got a big kick out of it, and uh, I'd go again in a minute for sure. Okay, well, let's get to the dances. It was Janet Jackson night, uh, we talked about. So uh, Tyra actually had a video chat with Janet at the beginning of the show. And uh, that was kind of cool, I guess, especially if you're a Janet Jackson fan. And then um, there was going to be two dances that night. So they would all dance to a Janet Jackson song on the first dance, of course. And then they had what they called a dance-off later, and we'll get into that a little bit later, for two bonus points. And you're at that really tough point of the season where everybody's exhausted and probably, you know, all kinds of little injuries going on. And then you got to learn two dances every week. And it's just super intense. And we'll uh, hear about some of the uh, pressures that some of the people felt as we go through the dances here. Uh, it's a very close to, uh, competition, too, especially on the fan vote side, I guess. Uh, Tyra made it a point to mention that two couples the prior week were separated by less than one-tenth of one percent, which is hardly anything, you know, when you have who knows how many people are voting these days. In the old days, millions of people. Now maybe it's just several hundred thousand. I don't know. But they never tell us that, so we never know. And then one other announcement during the show is uh, 
uh, Tyra mentioned that Caitlin Bristow is going to join the uh, winter tour as the celebrity guest. And she's going to do most of the shows. I went and briefly looked. I want to say maybe 75% of the shows she will do, be doing. So who knows what they'll do with the other shows, if they'll bring in another celebrity. They've done that in the past. Um, but she's going to be the main person, I guess, for the uh, winter tour. Okay. In fact, let me take a little drink of that alcohol right now, if I may. Ooh. Okay. Hey, hopefully that'll keep me awake. Is that what alcohol does? Does that keep you awake? Well, we'll find out. Up first for the night was Jimmy. And he was dancing the cha-cha with Emmett. Emmett's always been very good at uh, tailoring the dances to him. She's one of the better choreographers, I think, on the show. And he's gone a lot farther than I think a lot of people would have uh, thought. Um, the, the dance was good. Um, kind of like I said with The Miz last week, you know, he's a non-dancer, Jimmy is. And I compared him and The Miz a lot. And I always said The Miz had maybe a little more performance value and Jimmy had a better technique. But The Miz kind of hit a ceiling last week and maybe the week before. And I think Jimmy's hit it now, too. He got four eights for a total of 32 and at this point of the competition, four eights are not cutting it. And Len even mentioned this in his critique. He said it was a nice dance, but at this time of the season, is nice good enough to make the uh, semifinals. And, uh, you know, Bruno kind of said the same thing. And they both talked about heel leads and things that are not there technique-wise that, that should be there in week eight. And I think that's just another case of Jimmy's a non-dancer. And he's a very good dancer, but, you know, he never had any... Uh, formal training and most of those folks reach reach a ceiling and reach a limit where they've kind of gone as far as they're going uh, very few people that have no dance experience just keep killing it all the way through the season you know I can think of James Hinchcliffe and Kelly Pickler a couple people that supposedly had no dance experience that by the time they finished were really really good dancers but uh, I think at this stage Jimmy's kind of hit a wall again and uh, we'll just have to see you know, how it goes the rest of the night. But he's, like I said, started out with a 32. Up next was Suni, the gymnast. And we talked about her last week. She had the uh, vomiting issues and the sickness to her stomach issues. And it was a rough week for her, to say the least. Well, we've always also talked about her all season, trying to become more emotional and more out there. And rather than just being kind of a robotic, great technique dancer. And that's the, the trouble all the gymnasts have had. Well, this week... And I don't know if it was because she got was sick and then felt a lot better and thought, what the heck, let's spice it up. But she did something to her hair that made it kind of wavy and curly. She had all, all kind of wild makeup on that was very, you know, pretty attractive. And then she had a really neat outfit on, uh, the, the dress she was wearing, and showing a little cleavage and everything. And it was just kind of like, wow, look at her. It's a new, it's a new gal or something. And she was dancing a samba. And that's a very high energetic, fun dance that, uh, you know, just kind of added to her overall emoting a little better and being a little more outgoing to everybody. And the judges bought really into it. I was, I don't think it was, I'm just going to tell you, they got a 40, they gave her a 40, perfect score. And, you know, it's hard for me to be critique because I can't dance a lick, but I, I don't think it was a 40. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but it was really, really good. And I'm afraid all of the judges, Len included, got swayed by the fact that she looked so exotic now and like so coming out of her shell with that new look and her new hair and her, her outfit. And, you know, we can get swayed by that as a regular viewer, but the judges are supposed to be all over that and say, okay, 
you still got to have the technique. Now, she's always had good technique, and they obviously loved it because they gave her a 40. And uh, they are starting to give 40s out a little more, and we'll hear that a little bit later. In fact, we'll hear it with the next person here. Melora was up next doing a pasta doble, and they showed a very, um, I don't want, I guess you just call it a negative video edit before the dance where she and Artem were kind of getting after each other a little bit. And, uh, you know, bless her heart, she's 54. Uh, Carrie Ann mentioned it again tonight, that night, too, that this is a tough physical competition. And she did, they showed her, and she was just exhausted and said, I'm, I'm physically exhausted. And then uh, her and Artem were sniping at each other. And that's not uncommon, like I said, at this time of the season. So I wasn't too worried about it. What they show, if it, if it sounds really personal, then you get a little nervous because, oh, these people aren't getting along, but they made up and all that stuff. So she came out, and this was a big dance for her, I think. A couple of weeks ago, she showed that she was tired with her dance. Well, this Pasa Doble, she knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. Everything about her was fantastic. The outfit, the hair, the makeup. Um, she's great at selling her dances. You know, she's an actress by trade, and... The Paso is a very fierce, uh, fierce, forceful, ferocious dance. And boy, she had all that. And I was so impressed with her because, again, this is the time of competition where you're just so tired that you can easily, I don't know, slack off a little bit in the dance, maybe even unconsciously because you're so worn out. And man, she was just mm, hitting every move and very aggressive and attack-oriented. The judges loved it. They all said that. And... uh you know, they all loved it, so they all gave her a 40, and I didn't have a huge problem with it. Again, I don't know. Was it a perfect dance? I don't know about that, but uh, I thought maybe, you know, there was, the posture was off just a little bit from time to time, And but again, I don't want to gripe about it too much because it was really good, and I was very impressed with this type of dance, as strong as it was this late in the competition. Up next, uh, Olivia. She was dancing in Argentine tango. And, you know, we've talked about Olivia all uh, we all, all season as being just solid. She's very good at what she does, and it's very impressive. Again, someone that supposedly has no dance experience, and she's not an actress. And it was a very good dance. The judges gave it a uh, 36, which is four nines, which is very good. And so it's hard to, you know, gripe too much about it. The Argentine tango is one of – it's my favorite dance of all the dance uh, uh, types on the show – and it's kind of like a romantic thing, but at the same time, it needs to be a little more passionate. You know, I guess romantic would be more the rumba, um, more passion and more heat and more oomph is the Argentine tango. And I think that was a little hard for her to, to uh, project. Uh, she smiles a lot in her dances, which is great normally. You know, we love, we love it when people smile and show that they're having fun. But the Argentine tango and the Paso, these are more forceful, fierce dances that I think you need a little more uh, intense look on your face rather than, the oh, just kind of flying around the dance floor, smiling and everything. And the judges said that a lot. They said it, they, they just needed a little more passion, a little more heat to it. But again, it's hard to complain about her either because she's a really good dancer and she got four nines for a total of 36. Uh, up number five was Cody, and he was doing a Paso Doble. And uh, it, it was good, too. Uh, you know me, I've kind of not really warmed up to Cody real well. Uh, I thought he should have been a better dancer earlier in the season, considering all of his background. But he is getting better. I got to give that to him. And his techniques still, I think, has a few 
weird things to it. Again, I don't think a guy with that kind of experience background should have these these technique issues. But the judges liked it, and they're warming up to him quite a bit. Uh, Lennon Carrion gave him a 10. A little surprised Len did that, but he likes technique guys, and this guy is getting better at his technique, and and I would assume he'll continue to do it. It's getting late in the season, but he's still hanging around. I'm sure he's got a huge fan support too. Uh, Derek and Bruno gave him nines for a total of uh, 38. Uh, I don't think he could be too much of a complainer about it, but I watch always when they get the uh, judges' scores, the reactions of of uh, both the dancer and their professional partner. And Cheryl's his professional partner. And when Carrie Ann and Len gave him 10s right off the bat, you looked at the expression of Cheryl and it was like, oh, really? Almost like surprise, like she didn't expect to get 10s. And then when uh, Derek and Bruno gave the 9s, she was like, her hands out, like, yeah, that's okay. That's almost like what we expected or whatever. So I think it was a little overscored, but not going to quibble too much. It definitely was four nines probably, and it just looks like they gave a couple extra tens in there. So a total of 38, as I said. Up next was Amanda, and they also had a negative ad, uh, edit, video edit, uh, Amanda and her partner, Alan. Again, no biggie at this time of season, but boy, they're just sniping at each other a little bit. And, you know, these professionals – they they all seem to get tougher and tougher as we go along, and they don't they don't put up with whatever I guess they think is not good practice. And then these celebrities are kind of like, boy, you know, <laughs> you don't need to talk down to me, and I'm doing the best I can, and I'm physically exhausted. And the pros are like, don't want to hear it. <laughs> so they were going back and forth a little bit, and it was interesting. I mentioned that with Melora and Artem, and this was they came out and had a fantastic dance. And then Amanda and Alan, uh, Alan, they show the same thing. And Amanda comes out and just kills it. I loved this dance. They gave her a total of 40 again for our third 40 of the night. Um, I think her personality came through better. Uh, she just seemed more, more emotive and more into it than just the good technical dancer that she is. She kind of was in charge of this dance. And it was a jazz routine, which is interesting. But uh, I don't know. I just liked everything about this. And she's been my number one pick from the beginning. Um, JoJo might be a better dancer than her. I don't know. And now that Amanda shows this side of her, if she can continue to do this, this will make me really think she should be the winner more than anybody. Uh, but uh, Derek had said a couple weeks ago, you know, about there's something missing. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something missing when you dance. And Len said it last week. He goes, you know, it was a good dance, but... I wanted something special and I didn't get anything special from you. Well, I think she, they, she gave it to him last night or Monday night. And they obviously thought so too, as they gave her a 40. So good job, Amanda. Uh, up seventh was Iman and his cha-cha. And, uh, you know, Iman is just hanging on and hanging on because he's got incredible fan support. Uh, for me, it's time for him to go. Uh, it, we got back into the uh, ballroom dad dances and this was a cha-cha Latin dance. And when he gets in hold, it's just not there, you know, and I, I'm sure part of it is just the height difference, but it looks forced when they're in hold. Uh, when he turns his head, when they're moving around the dance floor, it's not real nice and smooth. It's more robotic. Reminded me of the Rock'em Sock'em Robots heads. If you, you know, that's, that's really dating me. That's an old game game from way back in the day, the day where you had uh, two little robots and you boxed each other. And anyways, it was very robotic-like to me when he would turn his head. And once he got out of the hold uh, to do the cha-cha stuff, it's great. You know, he's got his own personal swag and and uh, he's fun to watch. But 
because he kind of puts his own personal flair on dances, even though it's good and fun to watch, you, you're not sure what you're watching. And I think Len called him on that again and said, you know, you're fun to watch, but I didn't see enough cha-cha in it. And I love Len for that. And I hope he continues to do that for everybody. And he still gave him an eight. And I don't even think it was worth an eight, but uh, they're not going to give out sevens at this time because it's almost a slap in the face, I think, to get a seven this late in the season. The other three judges, I thought, way overscored him. They all gave him nine, so he had a total of 35 for the night. And, uh, you know, 35 is probably enough to keep him in it to the finals, and I'm a little really worried about that. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, up last for the night was JoJo, and uh, she did a salsa. And, uh, you know, she talked in her video edit about when she was coming out as homosexual or, you know, gay or whatever, you lesbian, I guess is the right way. I shows how much I know about all this stuff that um, she lost a lot of fans because parents of the kids, you know, most of her fans are little girls and kids. And I guess when she came out like that, she got all kinds of hate mail and stuff about, you know, my daughter's never watching you again. And she said, how can that how can that be? How can how can they? One day think I'm great, and the next day I say I like women, and now I'm the worst thing on the earth. And they refuse to let their kids watch me and stuff. And it's heartbreaking to hear that kind of stuff. I I know it's hard to change things in society, and I'm not saying you have to embrace that lifestyle, but I don't know why, again, why would you hate someone or not like someone because they like a different person than you like or whatever. It's not like they're spreading hate. They're spreading love. But I shouldn't get into all that, I guess. But I feel for her, and... Uh, you know, she's dancing really well and she performs really well. And yet she's in the bottom too, which she was a couple of weeks ago. And that's because I guess, you know, the people who watch this show just aren't comfortable with her and Jenna dancing, but enough of that. But uh, when they do dance together, she per performs the male role role. And in this salsa here, they did a bunch of lifts and lifts are hard no matter what. But when you're a woman and you're lifting another woman, I'm sure it's that much harder. She's a little physically bigger than Jenna. But uh, they did a great job on the lifts, I thought. And when they dance side by side, I think they're so fun to watch. I think they're so in sync. And Jen is probably the best choreographer. If it's not her on the show, it's probably Daniela. That's another reason why Iman's doing so well is that Daniela's, you know, killing the dance routines for him. And I think uh, Jen is doing the same thing for JoJo. And then JoJo can actually, you know, perform all of them. And she does it with a passion. So, uh She's so much fun to watch. I just hope that her fans get out and vote. Now, she didn't fall in the bottom two the next week after she was in the bottom two, so somebody obviously voted for her to get out of it. But I have a feeling that the margins of closeness in the vote are so close that it wouldn't take much to get back in it. you really got to uh, hit it on the uh, judges' scorecard every week, if you're JoJo, that is. Um, okay, so that was all the dances for the night, the first round anyways. And in the second round, they did what they called dance-offs. And since there were eight contestants left, we had, let's see, two, two people or two couples dancing against each other. So that meant four dance-offs. And it was to the same song side by side on the dance floor. So what they would do is two people would come out. Let's just talk about the first one. The first one was Suni and Jimmy. And our, yeah, Jimmy was on one side, Suni was on the other, and they were doing a salsa. Salsa. And then they, what they were doing was letting one judge vote for that dance. So there's four dances, there's four judges. Perfect. So Bruno was actually judging this one. And, uh, you know, on the salsa, that's that kind of very fluid, precise thing that you have to have. And it's a very fun 
uh, Latin dance, and you you base it mainly on the technique of and the performance. So it's that's what you do with every dance, but the salsa, I guess, is one of those that really sticks out because the technique is very difficult. And then the performance is since it is such a fun, outgoing dance, you kind of got to act it and show that you're having that fun. And uh, after it was all said and done, Bruno gave the two bonus points to SUNY. So SUNY gets two more points and Jimmy doesn't get any. The uh, second dance off was a rumba. And that's that uh, kind of passionate, sexy, romantic dance that uh, is, is, in, is in the dance features that we do here on the show. And it was Jojo and Olivia. So we had Jojo and her partner, Jenna, having to do kind of a romantic, sexy dance, which probably meant all the Midwestern people who vote on this show were, were just losing their mind because <laughs> it was a pretty sexy dance. They were dressed very sexy and you get pretty close in the rumba. And uh, I, I enjoyed very much watching it. And then on the other side, we had Olivia and Val. And I think Olivia has been like great all season as we've talked about. And it was very different for me seeing the rumba performed by two women because it's always been obviously a man and a woman on this show and you're used to seeing that and the rumba is the female dance uh like the paso is the male dance and the the female is featured well on the jojo and genocide you got two females and boy it was pretty sexy i think <laughs> because both of them were kind of featured since it was a female dance uh the rumba is so anyways, uh, they both went off, did that dance and hip action is a big player in the rumba. And I guess, uh, who was the judge here? Let's see. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Oh, Carrie Ann was judging this one and she ended up giving Jojo the two, the two points. So Olivia comes away with nothing there. The next dance off was Melora versus Iman and it was a foxtrot. And, you know, the, I'm getting to be a broken record with Iman when he's in hold, I don't think it's very good. It's the frame, it's the sticking the chest out and having your neck back or up and moving your head in a fluid mash manner and not in a robotic manner. And he suffers when that happens. And of course, the Foxtrot is mainly in hold. Uh, again, when they get out of hold or whatever, he has his own swag, which is nice, but it wasn't enough to beat Melora. Melora was on fire last night or Monday night, as far as I was concerned. Derek gave her two points. Amon comes away with nothing. And then the final uh, dance-off was uh, Amanda versus Cody. And this would have been Lynn judging this one. And uh, they were doing a cha-cha. And I, I, you know, I, think, I think Amanda's technique is better than Cody's. And I think it came across in that dance. And normally I would have said Cody was more, what's the word, emotive or showing a performance. But again, Amanda, I think, hit a new level. Uh, on Monday night. And I loved her first dance and I loved this dance. So not only did I think she had a better uh, technique in the, in the dance off than Cody, I thought she was better, you know, performance wise and engaging wise. So, and uh, thankfully, uh, well, I say thankfully, I don't know, <laughs> Len agreed and he, th he gave uh, the two points to Amanda. So at the end of the night, the people on the top of the scoreboard, they all got the bonus points, which kind of makes sense, I guess. They're good dancers. So they got the bonus points. And after the two points were all added in, Suni and Melora and Amanda had 42, and Jojo had 41, and they kind of distanced themselves from the other folks. Jimmy, Iman, and Olivia and Cody were at the bottom. Now, this was a double elimination night, and the way they do it on this show, which is another bone to pick I have with them, they have a bottom three, 
And the, the one at the total bottom, at the very bottom, does not get a judge's save. So that's what's so scary about this week and next week. Next week will be another double elimination. And whoever finishes on the bottom of the scorecard, and if that's Amanda or JoJo next week, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> uh, but this week, the person on the very bottom of the scorecard was Olivia. And I hate that because Olivia is a great dancer. She's better than Cody. She's better than Iman. Uh, she's better than Jimmy. And it's so sad to see her go. But with this little quirk in the judges save rule, they're not going to save the very bottom dweller. So Olivia goes home. So that leaves uh, Jimmy and uh, let's see who is in there. Gosh, I should know this. This is where the brain dead stuff goes in. I'm getting so tired. Oh, yeah. Malip, Malora. What am I thinking of? Yeah, I didn't tell you. Iman and Cody were in the bottom on the judges scorecard. I guess I did tell you that. Well, you added in the fan vote. They jumped out and Melissa, uh, Melissa, Melora fell down into the bottom two or bottom three. So that, again, just shows you the huge fan support that Iman and Cody have way down on the scorecard, especially Iman, and they got enough fan votes. They've never been in the bottom two, and they jump out, and uh, Melora falls down, and thankfully, the judges were unanimous. And as I say, thankfully, again, I want the best dancers in the final. I don't have anything against anyone personally, but Melora is a better dancer than Jimmy, in my opinion, and in the judges too. All three uh, judges picked her unanimously, so Len didn't even have to vote. He would have picked her also. So Olivia goes home, and Jimmy goes home on Monday night's show. So we're down to six people now, and we'll have a du another double, double elimination next week in the uh, semifinals. All right, well, there's the dances. So what we like to do here at this point of the show usually is do a little top 10 list. Now, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. There's not much left here, and this week's top 10 list for me is the greatest freestyles in the history of the show. The freestyle dance used to mean a real lot, and a really, really a lot? Used to mean really a lot. Maybe that's the proper English. Back in the old days, and the judges didn't give out 10s like candy. They do that these days. Everybody gets a 10 in the freestyle, basically. Burns me up when they do that, but... It's not going to change, probably, the way all the issues we have on this show. That one can't be the biggest issue we have. Uh, but in the old days, it really mattered. And so freestyles were very important to perform well on. Ask uh, Donald Driver and ask Gilles Marini, and they'll tell you about the importance of the freestyle dance. So, And it's a highlighted dance because there's no rules. You can do whatever you want, any dance style, any dance moves, any costume, anything you want. And that breeds creativity, which is a big part of the freestyle is you want to be entertained. Sure, at the point that you're doing a freestyle, you probably have the technique down pretty well. Not everybody, as we found out, but uh, most of them are, are technique very well, very good at that point. But uh, the performance really comes to the, the front on this. And so um, I had a list of all the 10 that I wanted to, to uh, highlight here. Now, this is a very personal list again, because you know, there's going to be someone here that I, I know there's a couple that I've never seen anyone comment on that they like them or not. But I did for very personal reasons, which we'll get into. So just remember that these are my personal opinions. And as long as you do that, uh-oh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the opinion alarm. <laughs> I'm getting tired of that yet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so these are my opinions. And, uh, I would love to hear your list. Feel free to email me anytime, and uh, we can rate and debate uh, our, each other's lists here. So number 10 on my top 10 greatest freestyles. Uh, it, you know what's interesting, too, about these things? 
I was looking over the list after I compiled it, and I only have one really early freestyle, meaning like before, uh, let's see, I think season 13, I only have one of the really early freestyles. And that surprised me a bit because in the early days of the show, you would have thought we haven't seen many freestyles. So the creativity is going to be flowing and you're going to be surprising us all the time. I would have thought near the end of the series run here that we've seen so many different freestyles. It's like hard to come up with anything to excite us or get us interested anymore. It's kind of worked the opposite way. I think a big part of it is I'm, I'm convinced that the talent overall of the dancers the celebrity dancers, has increased over the history of the show. Uh, many of these seasons that I would have considered down seasons happened before season 15, and many of the really stacked seasons with a lot of deep talent I've, I think have happened after season 15, which is kind of the you know halfway point to mark, mark the series off. So uh, all these are fairly recent. And my number 10 dance is Zendaya and Val from season 16. Zendaya Coleman finished in second place to Kelly Pickler that season. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of audio I don't on this one from some of the judges' comments, which will help, you know, get across what they thought was exciting about the dances. But Zendaya, at the time she was on the show in season 16, she was the oldest contestant. I'm sorry, oldest, geez. Oh boy. The youngest contestant to ever be on the show, 16 years old. I believe now she's the fourth youngest to have ever been on the show. Zendaya was just a ray of sunshine. Every time she danced, she smiled, and it was just, she had a lot of little girl in her still, um, but she could dance like greatness, just so good. You know, she's in my top 10 female dancers of all time, dancers of all time. And uh, she just brought joy to the ballroom whenever she danced, and their freestyle it wasn't like wowing me or like going crazy, but it, it showcased her, hmm, how would I say this? Her, her positive attitude, her strengths, and that's what you should do in, in, in a freestyle. But some of the freestyles have been more contemporary-like and almost more sad-like and kind of depressive in some, some ways. I want the freestyle to be happy and, like I said, show off positivity. And she was so positive the entire season. It, it was great. It was an upbeat song. She was wearing, instead of like dance shoes, she was wearing Converse sneakers and they were they were cute with what she had on. They were white sneakers and she had a white dress on. And it was, like I said, it was almost like a ray of sunshine going around the dance floor. And uh, it fitted her great for her youth and uh, her uh, happy attitude all the time. And then at the very end of it, they actually had, I don't know, six or eight young kids come out and dance behind her and Val. And normally I would think that's kind of hokey, but these were really good <laughs> little kids that could dance. Uh, really well. And it just kind of fit her. It's kind of like, you know, the bridging the gap of her still being a young girl or young woman in some cases, but she grew up a lot over the history of the, or the, the run of the show too. So Zendaya and Val, my number uh, 10 freestyle. My number of, let's see, number nine freestyle of all time goes back to season 17, Corbin Blue and Karina, his partner. And you may remember uh, Corbin was a top 10 dancer of all time for me on the male side. In fact, he was number two, and I never thought he'd be overtaken until Jordan Fisher came along. So uh, I liked everything this guy did, and they did a takeoff on uh, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. And I think Carrie Ann's mentioned this before on the show. When people try to do the Michael Jackson songs, it's a very dangerous thing to do because we all know his iconic moves and the stuff he does, and if you try to replicate that, that's a big, tall order. Now, I think Corbin Blue is one of the few that could do it on this show. 
And uh, he really did. It was just a fantastic thing. Uh, he did the moonwalk. He did slow motion moves that Michael would do. He did the uh, the crotch grab and other things that you just reminded you of Michael, the old hat coming off and the fingers going out and all that stuff that Michael would do. And uh, they did a thing in the dance involving gravity boots. And I don't even know what those are, but Carrie Ann mentioned it. You stand on something in the floor and it like fixes your feet there. And they leaned forward together, Karina and, and uh, Corbin. And then they came back all body, all body movement doing it. There was no feet movement at all. Really something cool to see. And uh, that was my number nine freestyle of all time, Corbin and Karina season 17. Uh, let's see here. My number eight one, and this is the one going way back. This goes all the way back to season two. And if there are any long-term viewers of the show, I'm sure right away you know what it is because this was a game changer, an iconic freestyle. It told all the other pros out there, you better come up with something special because the bar was just raised with this freestyle. Now, looking back at it, the technique may not have been as great, um, but I didn't tell you what it is, did I? This is the Drew Lachey Cheryl uh, freestyle in season two to save a horse, ride a cowboy. And I went back and watched it. And of course, the video is so grainy and everything because there was no HD. That's how long the show's been on. But uh, like I said, it was just a game changer. And uh, it had to be in my list somewhere. Again, the technique may not hold up, but uh, it was so good. And uh, I do have a little audio here of what the judges had to say about it. All right. Let's go to land. That was everything freestyle should be. It was fun. You went right on the edge. It was entertaining. It was brilliant. Yeah. Drew, you're ready for the lead in Brokeback Mountain, the musical. Original. Fearless, it was powerful, it was passionate, it was everything. You know how to bring it to the dance floor when it matters. Way to go. Well, they obviously loved it. And it was a country song, obviously, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. And they had country outfits on, Cheryl wearing next to nothing. And this was Cheryl, his partner, Cheryl Burke, who's in season 30. Her first season was season two, and she won her Maribel Trophy with, uh, uh, with Drew here. Mainly, well, I would say mainly because they were probably... They should have won that season. It was either going to be her or him or uh, Stacey Keebler in terms of the best dancers. But uh, uh, one of the things that I, I hadn't mentioned yet, and all the rest of the songs on my list, almost every one of them now, except I think, gosh, maybe every one of the, West, the rest of them on here, they're either a, a country-inspired song or a traditional kind of old-school Hollywood ballroom-type dance where you had the top hat and cane and and tuxedo and stuff. That's why this list is so personal to me. I love that stuff. I love the old ballroom. You take an old ballroom song and you kind of turn it into a 21st century song, but you keep the the originality and somewhat of the beginning of it too. You know, when the song first came out, it, I love that kind of stuff. And we're going to see some of those or hear some of those in a minute. Um, but this was a countryfied song or countryfied routine. And again, most of the people on this show that watch this show love country music, and they they have their people last a long time uh, if you're associated with country music at all on this show because they vote for them. And I don't know why more pros aren't 
using that in their freestyle because uh, the three that I have listed here, I think three of them have a country theme. They all helped that their person win, I think, in their respective seasons, just as this one did. This was the iconic freestyle of season two, Drew Lachey and Cheryl. Number eight. Uh, number seven, this is the first of the ballroom ones I just told you about, where the guy came out wearing a top hat and, and a cane and a tuxedo, and and they danced to a song called Putting on the Ritz, an old-timey song. This was uh, Jordan Fisher and Lindsay's freestyle in season 25. Of course, Jordan, my pick, is the top male dancer of all time. And, uh, you know, this, this putting on the Ritz song, I don't know who came up with it. It might've been Irving Berlin. I don't know, but Fred Astaire was in movies that, that highlighted a lot of these songs. So he gets associated with it. And the version they played, uh, for Jordan was really the taco version, which is some artist from the eighties. I think, I don't know anything about taco very well, but, uh, it, the putting on the Ritz was still there. And so you had the old school, kind of Hollywood ballroom glamour of it, yet Jordan Fisher's amazing dance ability being featured because of the new updated version of the song. So uh, that's my number seven greatest freestyle of all time, Jordan and Lindsay, season 25. My number six, oh, this is one that's a little different. Number six, going back to season 13, J.R. Martinez and his partner Karina. And I don't even know how to describe this one. This was just full on going crazy dance. And I wish you could see it. You'll have to look it up. JR, JR and Karina's season 13 freestyle. Uh, the, the music was great. The outfits were great. It was wild kind of tribal animalistic music almost. And they were just crazy out on the dance floor. Unbelievable moves, fast moves, uh, just wild looking. And I came away watching it just exhausted. And another thing I loved about it, um, and this is kind of going back old school again in the series history, it was just the two of them on the dance floor. We talked about Cheryl and Drew, it was just the two of them. And in the old days, it was much more focusing on two people on the dance floor wowing us. And that's so impressive to me. There's no background dancers. There's no big set design. It's two people out there doing a specific dance routine entertaining us with just the two of them. And that to me, that's what dancing is. You know, it's two people. So uh, that's another reason I love this. And I do have a little audio of that one too. This again is JR and Karina's freestyle. And here's the judges complimenting them on at the end of that. All right, Carrie Ann, let's start with you. I have one thing to say. to him Sorry. <laughs> two things were revealed Karina's body and your talent <laughs> fantastic <laughs> way to go alright and Bruno JR you are wild exuberant with animal physicality it was like a jungle tribal hypnotic yes. experience <laughs> brilliant what a comeback congratulations yeah, leave it to Bruno. He he knows how to explain it. Animalistic, jungle, tribal. Uh, it was so in your face. It was so great. And Carrie Ann mentioned that too, that they had lifts in this. And I forgot about that. They had a couple really dangerous lifts that they pulled off. And I remember watching the video edits of this. They were so nervous about those lifts because they could go terribly wrong and Karina could have gotten hurt. And hurt. So uh, another thing, just great technique. 
great performance. And uh, JR and Karina, my number six freestyle of all time. Number five freestyle of all time. Goes back to season 17, our champion of season 17, Amber Riley and her partner, Derek. And this was another kind of country theme. And I'm so glad Amber won season 17 with Derek. I know Corbin was probably the better dancer, and I would have loved to have seen him win too. But, you know, I'm a Derek lover, and all the Derek haters out there, there's always going to be haters of the greatest of something. And they always say, well, Derek always had the best partners. Well, he didn't have the best partner in season 17. Amber Riley was not the best dancer. Corbin Lou was the best dancer by far. And uh, there were so many other people in 17. 17 was a deep season that I think you could have said – a lot of other people should have been in the finale and they really weren't. And uh, I'm just so glad that Derek won with her. And this, this was to me showcased Derek's uh, genius as a coach. She was not a, a great dancer. She was a good dancer. Don't get me wrong. And she had certain um, techniques that she was good at that maybe other dancers weren't. Well, what did Derek do? He highlighted those. And you'll see that in the freestyle. If you go back and watch it, uh, it was a non-conventional freestyle. It took place in like a saloon and they were kind of dressed in Western gear. And there were a bunch of backup male dancers with her. But Amber was so uh, impressive in this and so taking the bull by the horns in this dance that she was out front and you didn't look at the guys that much, even though they were fantastic because they were all pros. She was leading those guys and she was leading that dance. And it was very, very impressive to me. So obviously if it's, Number five on my list, you know, it was pretty impressive to me. Amber and Derek, season 17. Going to number four on my list. This is going back to season 20. Uh, Riker Lynch and Allison, his partner. And this was another one of the ballroom, the old school ballroom ones. It uh, was done to the I Won't Dance song, which is another Fred Astaire old thing. And uh, he, again, brought it into the present day, and it was just great showmanship to do something like that. And when they do that, I think Len Goodman, the old crusty traditionalist, he can even appreciate that. You know, if you go in and you just, I don't know, poo-poo all over the old, the old song and the old uh, Hollywood ballroom feel, he wouldn't like that. But, you know, this is a show where you have to bring it to the younger people and and there's nothing wrong with spicing it up and, and giving it a flair of a, the present day. And Len recognized that he he thought it was great, too. I actually have some audio, I think, for that one. But uh, this is Riker and Allison's freestyle of uh, season 20. Here's the judges talking about it. Reinvented, repackaged, and represented for a new generation. Awesome! There you go. There you go. Oh my God, it's so tough. I was like coming after Noah. That was going to be a rough one, and you killed it. You bowled a strike right down your alley. Incredible showmanship. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you. You're proud of you, Riker. And I know Fred's up there looking down, and he's proud of you too. You have brought the past into the present. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations, guys. Head on back to the. Perfect. You just heard Len say it there. He bought the past into the present. And um, 
you know, I know that warms Len's heart. And you kind of heard that, Terry, <laughs> there when he said Fred's looking down on you smiling because it was really, really impressive. So if you get a chance and you want to check it out, Riker and Allison, season 20, freestyle. They had the, they were all in white and he started out with the top hat and everything. Just, just super. Loved it. Uh, my number four. Uh, my number three. Uh, going back away, season 14, Donald Driver and his partner PETA. This was another country-themed one. And it was to the song uh, Chicken by the Train or something by Cowboy Tro. I play Chicken by the Train. I don't even know what it's called, but uh, super fun song. And he was actually there in person to perform it. And this is one of those freestyles I was telling you that can make or break a season. Donald Driver was not the best dancer of season uh, 14. Catherine Jenkins probably was. William Levy, Levy was probably better than him. Uh, Maria Menounos was probably better than him. But Donald Driver was a good dancer. It was a deep season, and and he was actually third on the judges' scorecard. But he came out with this freestyle, and it was in from left field. Again, we don't see much uh, country music on this show. And every time we see it, I tell you, it's very popular. So again, any pros out there listening, I know you're all listening to my podcast. <laughs> uh, Boy, look into that. Look into coming up with a country freestyle. Uh, we know we've had a lot of success over the years, and here's another example of it. So let's play a little uh, judge's reaction to Donald and Peta's freestyle. and chances win dances. You came out, an enormous chance. You went right left field. Man, fantastic. Oh, oh, I smell a good one. I smell a good number. All right, Bruno. Oh, Donald, Donald. You know, I cannot resist a ride in the wild, wild west. And as rides go, this was ace high. A country-inspired triumphs all right this could be the moment yeah they all loved it and uh, you can't see this of course but uh, at the end of the dance carrie ann one of the rare times it's happened a few times it's happened three times this season where the judges get on top of the the judges table table and just go crazy and she was up there doing the old lasso move and everything because boy go back and look at that one donald driver and peter mogatroy's freestyle season 14 my number three of all time Number two of all time for me, and I thought this one would probably stay number one for me when it happened, and it took it a really exceptional dance to unseat it number one for me, and this is one of those very personal ones that I never see this dance on anybody's list of top 10 freestyles or whatever. Uh, the guy that, that did it, I'll just tell you now, uh, it's going back to season 17. If you may have heard, I've already done two others in season 17. All three finalists in season 17 are in my top 10 freestyles of all time. That's amazing, too. <laughs> but it's Jack Osborne and his partner, Cheryl. And again, it was another uh, old school ballroom 
bringing it into the 20th century type thing with the top hat and the white tie and the tails. Again, Fred Astaire inspired. I think he actually either sang to that or danced to it in one of his movies way back in the day. Uh, But Jack Osborne to me would be the poster boy for what Dancing with the Stars is all about. You know, we've lost sight of that, I think, because everybody has dance experience these days and uh, they all come in in great shape and, uh, you know, all these athletes that we have. Well, Jack Osborne came into this. He's got an issue, a medical issue of some kind. I dang it, I was going to look it up. I can't remember if it was MS or muscular dystrophy. I, I feel awful. I don't know. But it's something that bothers him from time to time and did impair his training. And then when he came in, he was a little overweight, had a little bit of an attitude. He didn't want to take direction from Cheryl. And Cheryl molded him into a dancer over their 14-week run. And that freestyle of his, he's not the best dancer in the world, but he's a good dancer. And he became a good dancer because of Cheryl and his commitment to do it. And it was just so good. And I, I was looking like crazy to see a place where he was going to falter a little bit. And I think he hit everything in that every move that she choreographed for him, he hit it and they were in sync. Great. And it was just one of my favorite dances of all time, let alone favorite freestyles. And we do have a little judge's comment from uh, that, uh, that freestyle of Jack and Cheryl. For a king, this was like the best fairy tale ending to anybody's story. You've made the most incredible journey from zero to the hero at the top. I mean, I don't know. I have more to say, but perhaps I should end because it's a live show. But I really enjoyed it. Thank Hats you, off man. to you. Thank you very much, Yes. Jack, you, I'm telling you. know, you were under so much pressure. You know, you had a little slip in that jive earlier on. You've come out, Jack. I, your family should be so proud of you. Showstopper. All right, Bruno, care to make it unanimous? All right for Hollywood and for Jack. I've never seen such a comeback. It was glossy, glitzy, (laughs) classy, tailored to perfection. A Bursby Barclay mega musical. Cheryl, Cheryl, you've done an incredible job. Cheryl! Cheryl! Now, guys. Yeah, of course, I'm watching the video here, and... They were both unbelievably emotional. Cheryl was basically crying the whole time, not, you know, bawling or anything, but just tears running down her cheeks. She was always wiping her tears. Um, Jack was crying a bunch. And, you know, I think it was a super emotional time for him because he accomplished something that he probably never thought he could do. And um, I'm not going to get emotional here. (laughs) Um, I see that a lot with a lot of the contestants on this show. They, uh, they're very emotional about their journey. You know, they go do something completely out of their comfort zone. It takes a lot of courage to do that, especially in front of millions of people. And they don't think they can do it. And they, they train and they end up doing it. And it becomes like a really emotional thing for them. And I'm very, very, very envious of all of them that have the courage to go do it and then actually do do it. And uh, it's an accomplishment and uh, I think a feeling of pride like none other. So 
Jack and Cheryl, uh, my number two freestyle of all time. Okay, let's get to number one. Uh, again, very. Uh, I was really surprised that this this unseated Jack. Like I said, I thought that one was going to be my number one, and it only happened two seasons later. But uh, my number one freestyle of all time. It is Alfonso Ribeiro and Whitney Carson, season 19. Uh, I think this one's general, general, ooh, can't say it. I've had too much to drink, have I? No, that's just me. I do have one swig of drink left. Let me take it. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I think this one is generally recognized as definitely a top 10 freestyle of all time. And I think some people have it as the number one. Alfonso was amazing. Uh, he's the second oldest male to win, only the third person over the age of 40 to win. That just shows you how hard this is for an older person to win. Three three champions over the age of 40 in 29 champions. Boy, that's that, that tells it all right there. It's a young man's, a young woman's game. And Alfonso now, don't get me wrong, he had tons of dance experience growing up. And we all know the Carlton and the things he did uh, on the Fresh Prince, dance a lot in commercials and uh, probably did Broadway. I don't know, but I know he'd had tons and tons of dance experience. So this wasn't totally uh, unexpected, but like that's one reason why I like Jack Osborne so much. My second freestyle of all time is because he didn't have a, the dance experience, but Alfonso was an amazing dancer. And this thing had it all. Again, it was a throwback to the old school ballroom again. You know how I love that. And it was a true showstopper. They mentioned that with Jack's dance and that's, that's, when you use that word and it comes to your head to use it, it's like, wow, yeah, that was a showstopper. <laughs> and that usually means it's a very, very, very good dance. So, uh, like I said, it had it all. He started out, had the old school look with the top hat and the cane, and he and Whitney did some really cool moves together. And then they kind of take a little break with the camera. It, go, it pans off to some background dancers. And then Alfonso and Whitney come back in, and he's gotten rid of the jacket and the hat, and he does a he does a uh, the lasso dance to Apache. Now, I don't know how, have you, how many of you know Apache. It's from the Sugar Hill Gang, old school rappers. Uh, they also did Rapper's Delight, which everybody knows. Uh, Apache is the one where you basically you Custer and uh, uh, Tonto, and I, I can't sing it, so I'm not going to, but uh, just go look it up, and, and you kind of stand in the middle and do a lasso, and your legs go out. He did that. And then he kind of kicked the floor and all the dancers run away. And he does a solo tap routine, tap dancing. And I know this is the advantage of having that experience. But still, you went out and you performed it and you did it. And what the heck, let's listen to what the judges had to say about Alfonso. that America realizes this is the closest for me. Any foot one of the four can win. I hope they do the right thing and go for the best dancer. Right, 
with with Len, this is the tightest it's ever been, and it's going to be so hard. I'm glad I'm not, like not actually a viewer. <laughs> but I just want to congratulate all the pros this season yeah. because there has been so much creativity and content and everything. So well done to the pros. And that's how you tap your way to the top. an undeniable showstopper in the great American way. A bit of Kelly here, a bit of Fosse there, and those isolations. <laughs> where, where did it come from? There you go. Yeah, it, it was a little bit of everything. As Len said, a buffet, I think is what he said. Old school, new school, and uh, that's what a freestyle is supposed to be. Like they all said, a showstopper. All right, so that's my top 10 freestyles. Hope you enjoyed that. I had a fun time putting it together, and it was a fun time reliving those those great dances, too. Like I may have mentioned at the beginning of all this, I'd said uh, at the beginning of the podcast way back, I said, you know, a lot of these top 10 things that I'm coming up with, they've always been in my head, but I never wrote them down. Um, it was just something I remember, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that Jack Osborne thing, that's never going to be beaten, and then along comes Alfonso, and it was so much fun actually going down and putting these down on paper and uh, looking at them again, and uh, like I said, hope you guys liked it. Okay, let's change gears here. You know what time it is. After the uh, top 10 list, we always do a little ticket audio. Now, uh, we've done, let's see, we've done Musers. We always do Hardline and Bad Radio because that's who I worked for the most. Last week, we did a little Normandy Invasion audio. I thought what we would do this week is some weekend shows. Now, in the early days of my engineering life, uh, we work, I worked a lot of weekend shows. There's kind of a, I don't know, a progression, I guess you would say, where when you first come to the uh, Cumulus, you, you work a lot of non-ticket shows. You work to country music stations. You work to talk stations because everybody wants to work ticket. That's where all the fun is and... Excuse me, I was no different. I shouldn't have drank that alcohol, I guess. Fighting back a little. <laughs> um, but I, I worked a lot of weekend shows. That was the next progression. You would do post-game shows, Mavs and Stars, and then you would do weekend shows. And uh, I haven't done many weekend shows the last few years, but I did do a few back in the day, and mainly the Cirque du Soroy show. Now, if you go way back in the day, I did some orphanage and some T-Box and uh, those, those were like pre-dancing with the stars days. So there's no audio there, but I have some Cirque audio here. And then this first one is actually a mix between a couple other Saturday shows, country force and the kick around. Uh, they don't, I don't work those very much and I don't have much reason to ever be, be mentioned on their show, but, uh, they were doing a mix and somehow I came up. Uh, so let's listen to that. Duh. Well, yeah. And everybody knows Tony. Tony. Yeah, kill, old, yeah Killer Killer did a Christmas song about him. It's great. Tony loves me because I uh, I was at the Flamingo Hotel when I was out in <laughs> Vegas, and I took a picture of Dancing with the Stars, the uh, Donny Osmond's <laughs> Dancing with the Stars trophy, <laughs> and his tuxedo that he wore the night he won the championship, and sent it to him. And Tony was just beside himself. <laughs> Can you imagine what I have on my wallpaper now? On oh, my computer? look at that! <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh! Just Thank beside. You, hey, absolutely, buddy. I knew you appreciate that that i was in such close proximity to that kind of greatness <laughs> and the actual Donnie mirror Oz. ball was there right oh yeah yeah the mirror ball and his tuxedo oh, that he wore that yeah awesome tony Listen, doesn't listen, know what to do with himself gushing oh good lord <laughs> tony keep talking i gotta eat some fries before the show starts oh, you got no. load. load up you got an extra hour hands it with his dollars <laughs> 
So, so who finished second that season, Tony, behind uh, Donny Osmond? Uh, that was season nine, and the second place finisher was Maya Harrison, who was a better dancer than Donnie. But you know, Donnie was the demographic Ooh. darling for voting purposes, so you knew he was going to win. Well, all right. So there you have it. It's a soccer show. What about Hope Solo? Uh, she finished fourth in season 13, and man, <laughs> so was she a nutcase on that show. Uh, and in real life. And, I don't think that was just for performance everywhere sake. else. <laughs> yeah, but they placed her with uh, Max, uh, the professional dancer. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and he's the bad boy of the ballroom. Oh, right. So, boy, the two right. of them together. Oh, oh it was Sparks fireworks. were Max flying. Is a, Max is yeah. a bad, bad boy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so those guys playing along with me there, I think they were kind of mocking me, but that's okay. Uh, you might have heard Eli talking about, uh, he did take a picture of the Mirabal trophy that Donny Osmond won and sent it to me years ago. And, uh, of course, I, when I was out in Vegas this past weekend, you know, I got, like I told you, the six, the six Mirabals of Derek all in one, one shot. Well, I saw that right next to the Venetian is the Harrah's. And guess who was at the Harrah's now? Donny Osmond. And I'm like... I wonder if there's any way his mirror ball is still over there. So I had to go over to Harris, and sure enough, there was his mirror ball, and so I got a picture of that too. So, okay, let's uh, look at another one here. This is from the Cirque du Soleil show, and I think they're questioning me on uh, the season 20 that's coming up. Yeah. Vincent freaking Price. Tony. Way to go, Tony. How we doing in DWTS? Way to add to the DWTS. Pretty good. If you need a segment killer. Really? Yeah. I got no segments today, so I might need you, buddy. There, there you How go. Michael Sam looks. Is my girl uh, nothing? I'm a little worried about Michael. Oh, yeah. Give us a Michael oh, Sam man. review. A 30-second Michael Sam. He has, yeah, he, he has plastic smile. Oh, he God, puts no. a smile on his face, and he doesn't get rid of it, and it's creepy looking. But he's got the moves, but he's got some issues. Really? Yeah. Are you gay? Are you worried about him? Well, maybe. But, uh, you know, there's other people, too, you got to worry about. Suzanne Summers, she's a huge fan favorite because she's 70 years old. How about right. my girl, Nastia Lucan? She's fantastic. Yes? Yeah, there's a top yes. three. Nastia, Rumor, and uh, Riker. They're she's the Rumor? Yeah. Willis? Rumor Willis, yeah. Really? Yeah. Doesn't I didn't mean to hijack like... this. Sorry about that. No, we're both interested all of a sudden. <laughs> well, there you go. The Cirque uh, guy's getting me going there and boy it's hard to shut me up once i get going so we kept talking about stuff there a little bit more um this is cirque again uh we're getting ready to introduce i guess they're going to talk about the f around show that i had at night and i had two of them again years and years ago um they let me do two nighttime uh shows on the ticket dallas radio and uh, this is them, I guess, talking about that because Mike, who works the Cirque show, is going to be helping me out on that nighttime show. Tease, but first, we have somebody Special that is guest. going to going to have a show of his very, very own coming up here very soon on the ticket. And it's not you, and it's not me, and it's not Denny Salazar. It's not Mexican RoboCop. It's Tony. Really? Hey, hey, I'm going to hey, have a show? You, oh I've been gosh. told. This needs to be discussed. Yes. Dancing with the Stars. So you are going to be hosting a Dancing with the Stars show? Yeah, September 17th after the hard line. And, uh, what day of the week? Is that Thursday? It is a Thursday. Okay. And I just wanted to tell everyone, I don't have the social media presence, so if you guys could tweet it out. And oh, yeah. Why don't you, guys you start have, a Twitter handle? Well, I have one. I just don't know how to use it yet. Just I'm going to get one of the ticket chicks to explain it to me. That'll be my ruse. Oh, yeah. That's smart. How do you do this yeah, thing? Yeah, why don't you come over? Yeah. Uh, come over and show me on the laptop. No, no, come here. Come here. But I'm just going to say, you don't have to like Dancing with the Stars. You don't have to like me because I got help that night. 
And it's Big Mike Soroy. Oh, this Mike's going to be on it, really? So if uh, you like Mike, you got to Am I just in. producing or am I co-hosting? What are we doing? Mm. We haven't had our show meeting yet. No, so we it's, haven't. I'm still trying to decide that. Tony sent me, like, the longest oh. email I've ever received. With, like, trying to sell you on the idea. Stuff, like, and I, like, glanced like at it. Like, three weeks ago. I'm like, I'll get, we'll get back to you. We'll, re- we'll circle back on this. I'm so over I'll, here biting my nails. Is he ever going to get back to I got Is this going to be a preview of the season to come? Looking yeah, we talked a little bit more about that, but boy, what a thrill that was getting to go on Dallas radio and talk about this show that I love so much. But Mike was there to help me along, so it wasn't too, uh, it was still pretty nerve wracking the first time I got behind the mic for sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, something else from Cirque. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they were talking about me getting tickets to go to the show and then getting uh, behind Tom. I got to uh, Tom Bergeron at the beginning of, let's see, this would have been Season 23, what an epic night. We talked about that, I think, in my most noteworthy moments. Um, I got to go down on the floor and somehow ended up right behind Tom Bergeron. And when the uh, show came on air in national TV, I'm standing like right behind him. And that never would have happened except uh, I got tickets through P1, which is a listener of the station who just helped me out. And uh, that's what Cirque's talking about here. Shows are the best. So we have uh, Tony here. Tony, quite famous. He had his star turn this week as he was featured prominently in the popular ABC reality program, Dancing with the Stars. The ticket chicks even talk to me now. Really? They ask about that. Okay, you, we've been here an hour, and I've seen five people come up to you. Wait, are, are you Tony? Yeah, it's amazing. It's your life now. You know, kind of like you said, you get a little confidence when you got the ticket thing on and oh, you got yeah. your headsets on. Right. I can talk to all these girls right now. You're that's, walking on water, dude. That's how I am out there in, in California. You know, I'm chatting up all the gals, and I'm like, this is not me. How can I be doing this? And it's just like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, guess you feel confident or whatever. And you got that, that superpower outfit, man. Man, that's Superman <laughs> shield. It's All right, crazy. so you were on with the Musers discussing a pretty wild, uh, I guess, Monday uh, debut episode of Dance with the Stars. Some P1 came through and got you tickets, right? Yes, P1 Ruth, by the way, is P1 her name. P1 Ruth. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd put thrown it out there. I said, if anybody can get me tickets, I'll take you out there, pay for your way, and you can, you know, stay overnight, and I'll pay for that. And she's like, I don't want to go out there. My husband probably doesn't want me to anyway, so here, just have the tickets. Wow. So you had two tickets? You went solo? or? My Sister. I took my oh, sister. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That video of you, what's the host's name? Tom Bejeron. Oh, I'm sorry th- about him. I know, Tony. this is pretty bad. I apologize. Dude. Well, don't embarrass me in front of Tony. I, this is my level of understanding. You know, I love Tony. You, Mike knows his of name, right? Of course I know Tom Bergeron. Somebody Tom called Bergeron. him Joe Bergeron on your oh. show the other day. Who was that? Wait, on my show? It was Norm, but you were there. I would have I would have dumped that. <laughs> I would have dumped that blast. So is it better okay. not to know or guess wrong? <laughs> He's Tom Bergeron, and everyone knows it. So that video of Tom Bergeron welcoming everyone to the show, and you behind him just moving, just just grooving, is about the happiest find I've ever seen in my life. Well, thank you. I got to tell you, I was really happy. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, quite a night, to say the least. And uh, my phone just blew up that night because people in Dallas actually saw me behind Tom. And I didn't even know I was on camera really um, until late after the show because they take your their fo- your phone away from you when you go to the show. And uh, I didn't even check the phone right away because I was staying at a hotel right across from Television City. And I just wanted to get over there and get my shoes off and get ready to watch the show because it showed um, – tape delayed in, in California. 
And I get over there and I thought, oh, what's going on in the world? So I picked the phone up. It's like, what? What's all these messages? And boy, that was a fun night to say the least. Uh, this is another Cirque thing. Let's do a couple more here. Uh, them just talking about, uh, I guess, season 25 and me taking a visit to see the uh, tour, the Dancing with the Stars Pro Tour that they do during the off-season. Beat the living hell out of each other, which is the one thing all the other crappy reality shows are missing. Dancing with the Stars. Hey. Wow. Tony, he did not take that right. job well. Who he played that? Like, <laughs> who played that? I want names. <laughs> he, he, he stood up straight in his little director's chair. Is Dancing with the Stars going on right now? 52 days. What's that mean? It's been going on for since it ended, or until fifty-two days till season twenty-five starts. Five days until I go to the tour again. So what's that mean? I have a tour between shows, and I always go to the tour. Sure. And these are the people that lost on the thing. No, this is just the pros, and then usually the champs or Rashad Jennings should be there. Pros. Yeah. There are pro dancers. Don't minimize my friend's hobby. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. The pros. Fancy weather stars. What are you saying, the pros? What People happens at these shows? Professionally, they just do dance. it like the show and they dance? <laughs> it's a dancing thing, sure. And then you go to that? Oh, yeah. Where's that? I'll tell you what. Well, I'm going to Salina, Kansas for this one, but I was just saying. Is it a basketball arena there, or like a. Like a uh, it's actually like a Tony's Pizza Hut Palace or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Tony's Pizza Hut Palace in Salina, Kansas? Yeah. Sounds, yeah. sounds like a great vacation. And you're oh, driving? It's going to be great. Yeah. Can't they do one here closer? Well, they did one in San Antonio, which I went to, and I sat next to a lady who drove seven hours to get there, so I'm pretty much tying her going to Salina. You guys all, uh, you know? Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's pretty great. What? You know. You do it. You and them? Everybody that that drives several hours, they're committed. And you're all at the same... uh, You're all there for the same love. Same Roach Motel. Everybody's so giddy. It's you know, like Reno so nine, happy to be there. It's like Reno 911 Miami. They're all at the International Inn. When you guys walk into the show, do you put all, you put all your keys in the fishbowl? That might that would be thousands of keys. Right. <laughs> so you're definitely not getting the same one twice. Oh, no doubt about that. But I really don't have to worry about that because it's like a seven to one ratio. Right? Uh, Target rich environment, Tony. He's a genius. God, I'm, I'm telling him. you. Sex? Like we laugh, but he's a damn genius. But it's at a pizza pizza shop. I don't know what it is. Really, it's like it's like Pizza Something Center. I think, and it's, it's just, actually Tony's, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know where that was going at the end there, but yeah, that was weird. When I went to Salina, Kansas, it really was called Tony's. It wasn't Pizza Hut, but it was Tony's Pizzeria Palace or something, and it was just kind of a you know an arena that held a ton of people. And they have all kinds of events there and stuff, so that was kind of crazy. But uh, let's do one more here. Um, Chris uh, Chris Jericho was on Cirque one time. And as you all know, probably Chris off. Jericho was on <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, sure. season 12. It sure was and for like all the other shows except yeah. for the music. All right, we have one more uh, random question for Chris Jericho. We have a guy uh, working with us right now. His name and is Tony the Engineer. This was actually I have a trivia quiz. You, Jericho, versus Tony the Engineer. Who can answer this question faster? Ready? And it's happened what a couple other times. And what season and what place see, did you appear on Dancing with the if Stars? If the contestant actually knows season more about a season than I do. Whoa! And I wasn't expecting this at all, but they threw this at us. Oh, and uh, this Tony is Chris correctly? Jericho here. <laughs> Tony is the world's... What was it? 12. That was the year Heinz Ward won. Remember? Our, in, wow. our engineer, Tony, you is... Are, go ahead. You are the biggest Dancing with the Stars fan of all time. 
Well, I, I got to tell you. Die. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. <laughs> you just made his shorts go crazy by saying that. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I've always been a fan of yours on the wrestling side, but when you went on Dancing with the Stars, I just took it to the next level, of course. Quick question. Um, you performed in front of thousands of people your whole life, but how was it nerve-wise that first time you went out to dance on that floor? You know, about 20 million people watching, 700 in the Super audience. Nervous, man. Did it go all right? Because I'd never done, I'd never done it before. Sure. You know what I mean, like I'd never, I'd never danced. Like being a musician, I understood how to, how to how to how to stay on the beat, the syncopations of the rhythm. Being a wrestler, I understood, you know, footwork, being light on your feet, that sort of stuff, the choreography style. So I was pretty, it was pretty like, uh, I think I was deemed at first like the guy that's going to go home first. Yeah. I thought he'll be gone first week, but I actually had quite a, a talent for it, and I think I could have lasted. I should have lasted another couple of weeks, but there's a lot of show business involved, and that's fine, of course it is. Sure. But I was super nervous, super nervous because I'd never done it, and I remember that first time when they didn't just tear my head off and like <laughs> face me, I was like, okay, well maybe I can do this. And then, my second week dance, which was the quick step, Jive, was the best dance that week, and had that been on week six or seven, I would have got 310. Nice. I'm sure of it. But I peaked too early. They don't give out tens that early on the show. They don't because they have to build it, right? No, you're right. If you, watch that, if you Google Chris Jericho quick step, I defy you. Well, he wasn't going to get a three tens, but uh, good for him for thinking he would have, I guess. But uh, yeah, that was fun. He was, he was quicker than me when he said season 12, uh, sixth place, but he just had the incorrect information because he was in seventh place. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a little ticket audio. <clears throat> Let's do a quick review of a couple seasons. Uh, we were going to look back at seasons 24 and 25. <clears throat> uh, next week, we're going to look at the uh, beginning of the end of the show, pretty much. Uh, we'll look at seasons 26, 27, and 28. Uh, going back to season 24, wasn't that long ago, but uh, it was long enough, I guess. It premiered on March 20th, 2017, had 12 couples in it. Uh, Rashad Jennings was your champion. David Ross was second, and Normani Corday was third. Uh, this was a very much a shocking elimination season. It was very deep uh, talent-wise, uh, mostly women. Very similar to this, this same season that we have now, season 30. Very deeply talented field, but almost all of them are women. And uh, same thing with season 24. And back then, when you didn't have the judges save, what that led to was shocking eliminations. And boy, that happened a lot. Very, very frustrating. We lost Heather Morris way too early. We lost Simone Biles too early. We lost Nancy Kerrigan probably too early. Uh, Normani Corday should have definitely finished second, probably first. So there was a lot of craziness going on that season. And uh, Rashad, though, he was a deserving winner, even though the other females were probably better dancing than him. He was very deserving. Uh, he became the fourth NFL player to win Dancing with the Stars. And uh, the big thing that season was he partnered with Emma, and they just had an incredible partnership. There was another one of those things where it's hard to define what it is, uh, but they just had great chemistry. And you looked forward to watching them. They seemed to enjoy each other when they were dancing, and it was a lot of fun to watch them. And at that point, this may still hold true, they made a big deal out of saying that, that uh, Rashad Jennings by the end of the season, had practiced more hours than any other contestant in the history of the show. And that's a lot of contestants. So he was committed, and he got better, and he did it. And there's a guy that had really no dance ba background, and he won the season, obviously. Uh, this was also 
the season where we almost had Armageddon. We didn't have Armageddon until season 27 when Bobby Bones won. But a guy named David Ross finished second. And he's a baseball player. He had just retired. He was a Red Sox and a Cub. He was a World Series uh, champ with the Cubs and a very big hero. They called him Grandpa Ross because he was older, obviously, as he retired. But he had tons and tons of baseball fan support. And this is where we had problems with the show from time to time, where ballot box stuffers would come in and force a guy to last a lot longer, or gal, was almost always men, to last a lot longer than he should have because he was popular. And all these Cubs and Red Sox fans, they never watched the show, but he had, or the producers or whoever, they had Cubs come on and video clips, former players or you know co-players of his. Uh, they had the manager come on and urged people to vote who never watched the show. So you're having all these extra flooded votes coming in and it's diluting the actual champions who you should be voting for based on technique instead of just popularity. And this is where the Armageddon alarm should have went off like crazy. Like, you know, I have the opinion alarm every time. Oh, my God. When this happened, I was so fearful, especially when Normani went out third place. Normani was in the final three with them. And I think I had her as my third highest female of all time. She was unbelievable. And I, she deserved it over Rashad even, I think. But I had no problem with Rashad winning. He he was a he was a whatever you want to call it, well-deserved champ. He was a legitimate champion. David Ross is a guy, and nothing against the guy personally. He was very fun on the show, and I had no problem with him staying for a while. He probably should have finished ninth or 10th that season. And you can't have somebody winning Dancing with the Stars that's not that good of a dancer. And so when Normani went out in third place, I'm like, oh, no, he could win. And this is another thing that just burns my ass that, that the producers did nothing about it. Um, obviously, the judges' save should have been instituted after this season. Hell, it should have been instituted after 17, and you'd want to go way back. It should have been instituted from the beginning. But I know it's all spilled milk, and I shouldn't get worked up about it. But uh, this was very scary. And and I, when he lost or didn't win, David Ross, I'm like, thank God, you know, we still have legitimate champions in all 27 or at that time 24 seasons. And so for the people who would always whine and say, oh, it's nothing more than a popularity contest, we always had statistical proof to back up. That's not the case. Rashad was number two, I think, on the, the judges' scorecard that season. I haven't looked at that in a long time. I'd have to go back and look. I can't imagine he beat Normani, but uh, that's still a legitimate champion. But when you're sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth on the judges' scorecard for the entire season, that's not a legitimate champion. So let's let's get away from that. Sorry about that. Still, still burns me. Uh in week one of season 24, uh, this was the 400th episode of the show, and there was barely a mention. Tom mentioned it, and there was no special, there was no recognition given other than a very quick nod to the, you know, not knowing nod, okay, that's our 400 show, up next, and that really bothered me. Uh, to me, that's part of the, you're not tending your garden, you know, for the, the 100 show and the 200 show, they had specials, and they brought back people. And they celebrated the the enjoyment of this show and the success of this show. And this is just to me another thing that they they weren't tending the garden. They were just letting things fall apart. And I'm like, oh yeah, we just had our 400 show, big deal, move on. And that bothered me. And that was just another one of the many many things that bothered me about the show, <laughs> as as they uh, did not, you know, 
give it the proper due it, it should have had. And they kind of short shortchanged the show in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, let's see. Florence Henderson was acknowledged this season, um, not really on air, but she uh, was the first contestant to ever pass away that had been on Dancing with the Stars. And she had passed away three days after the season 23 finale, just a year earlier. And I was at season 23 finale, and I remember seeing her in the audience because she was such a friend of the show. She would come to the audience a lot. And uh, when I was there for that show during the commercial break, the announcer noticed Norman Lear, or maybe it was Tom during the show. I can't even remember now. And she was standing right next to him. And I remember seeing that vividly. And then, you know, I go home and good God, three days later, Florence Henderson died. No way. I just saw her and all that stuff. And uh, uh, they put a star on the dance floor. They didn't really announce it, but at the end of the show's uh, season and the episode where we had our champion, the camera angle went down to it and they showed it. And that was kind of an emotional time, too, especially for a friend of the show like that. And since then, three other people have passed that have been on Dancing with the Stars. And all four of them now have a, a star on the ballroom. Hoping next year we all get to go back and uh, be part of the ballroom again. And we'll check them up, check them out uh, up close. Uh, let's see. This was Emma's first and only win as a pro so far. Emma's still, still a pro on the show. And as late as season 24, we still had over 10 million people watching the show. So... They they still, despite the things uh, slacking off and the producers not tending the show like they should have, they still had 10 million people watching. And boy, you better enjoy that because next season after that would be the end of that. Okay, let's go to season 25. This was the last great season, in my opinion, and not because it was a great season necessarily. It was good, but it was the last great season of the old show. Uh, season 26 started the downfall, which we'll get into next week. Uh, the season 25 premiered on September 18th, 2017. Jordan Fisher was your champion. Uh, like I said, my number one male of all time dancer. Lindsey Sterling was second and Frankie Munez was third. That's a nice final three there. Lindsey Sterling uh, could have won other seasons. She was that good, but she just ran into the buzzsaw that was Jordan Fisher. And uh, speaking of Jordan, he had the most perfect scores in a season that season with nine. And he's the youngest male winner. Uh, at 23. It's hard for young men to win this show because so much of the ballroom and Latin dancing, the male is supposed to take the lead. And it's really hard to lead and dominate these professional women dancers. And uh, uh, Jordan, obviously, in my opinion, is the greatest male dancer. So he was able, he was up to that task. And there were many times, we may have talked about this when I had the list, that I couldn't tell a difference between he and Lindsay. Who is the, who is the pro? And that's just unbelievable to say something like that. But uh, youngest male winner at 23. Frankie Munoz, who finished third, was also really good. He would be another poster boy for what the show's about. Take a guy that doesn't have much da dance background and turn him into a good dancer. And he was really good by the end of the season. Uh, let's see. Uh, Drew Scott finished fourth that season. He did that mainly on his property uh, brother's fan base. Uh, he was a good dancer, but there were probably three people better than him. Victoria, Vanessa, Ter Terrell, I think they were all better than Drew. But uh, he was he was fun to watch and everything. Uh, this was the season where Max took his unexplained uh, week off with his partner, Vanessa. And uh, that still goes down as one of the most noteworthy moments for me in the history of the show. Uh, let's see. Victoria Arlen was in this, this show. She was the 
challenged person, I guess you would say. If you don't know her story, she was a she's a Paralympian swimmer. She was in a coma for I want to say three to four years. And they showed some video of her and it was like a vegetative state when she came out of it even. It was like, she's not going to be able to talk. She's not going to be able to walk, forget about dancing. And she relearned all that. And they showed a lot of home videos of her learning to walk again and talk. And then here she was on Dancing with the Stars. And she was a really good dancer. Finished in fifth place right after Drew Scott. Um Let's see, Nikki Bella was in this season, and she and Artem, you know, became uh, an item after the shows ended and after she broke up with John Cena, and I believe they're engaged to be married now, and they also have a child, so a true love story between uh, pro and celebrity. And then this was uh, Mark Ballas's last season as a pro, and I think that's very noteworthy. Mark's one of the, uh, he was part of the Huff Ballas dynasty back in the early days that, that, took this show to incredible heights and uh, he retired, I guess you would say uh, after 19 seasons on the show in season 25 and uh, see Lindsay Arnold. This is her first and only one as a pro Lindsay is still on the show. So she may have another one in her and still season 25 also had 10 million people watching the finale. Uh, but next season that was all going to end. So we'll talk about that next week. Okay, let's wrap her up here. I know this is going long too. Must have been the alcohol. That's what I'll blame it on. Uh, we're do, we're going to do our contest question here again. This is for a trip out to see the show live and in person uh, next season, season thirty-one. We'll pray to God that we get our audience back and we can get tickets again. And I'll be glad to take a winner if uh, someone wins here in the contest. Contest. Basically, what we're doing is asking a question from last week's podcast. You're going to write them down each week, the answer, and turn them in to me via email, I guess next week. Yeah, next week will be the last one. And uh, even if this is your first time listening, you can go back and listen to all the podcasts and still get in the contest. But uh, uh, that's what we're doing here. So last week, we mentioned that there was a couple technical errors in the show presentation on a week ago, Monday's show. Just name those two technical errors. And... Uh, that's all I'm going to say. You'll have to go back and listen to the podcast if you want to know. Okay, excuse me again for another belch. I guess I can't drink anymore when I'm doing this. Okay, well, that's your question for the week. Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. Tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. Well, thank you, Dandy Don Meredith. That's telling us we got to go as we, wow, go deep into the night of Thursday, Friday morning now. Oh, boy. I got to get up and go to work. So, well, it's been a blast doing it. I hope I wasn't too crazy tonight. Um, what we also like to do is Don tells us we do have to go. Now, we don't have to go home. I do. Because I'm exhausted, but uh, you guys don't have to, of course. You can do whatever you want. But we do have to get out of TC studio here. And what we also like to do here at the it's end of every show, play a little song from former contestants of Dancing with the Stars. Let's listen to this for a second. Of 
course, this is NSYNC, and this is a group, not an individual, obviously, but two individuals of NSYNC have been on Dancing with the Stars. For those of you that go way back, you'll remember Joey Fatone was on season four, finished in second place, and he was really good in season four. He finished second to Apollo Ono that season. Apollo is right at the cusp of the top 10 male dancer for me, and Joey was right there with him the entire season. Super impressed with Joey Fatone back in season four. Well, Joey came back and was in season 15, the All-Star Edition, and he finished in second to last. <laughs> he was a little older, a little heavier. I don't think he took it real seriously. And, um, you know, if, if, if he wouldn't have had that season 15 experience, he would have been higher up in my list all time of male dancers. But still, that doesn't take away from what he did in season four. It was amazing where he finished second to Apollo Ono. The other member of NSYNC that was on the show was Lance, ba Lance Bass. And he was in season seven finished in third place, and that was probably about right. Uh, no one was gonna beat Brooke Burke in season uh, seven, and uh, Warren Sapp was really good, the football player right in front of him, and Lance Bass was really good too, and finished in third place. So uh, there you go, Joey Fatone, Lance Bass, former contestants of the show, as they take us out with their group in sync. Well, thanks to TC, of course, for letting me come in late. Our schedules were crazy this week, and we, we made it through. Um, and of course, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, uh, my drinking didn't mess things up too bad. I only had one, but <laughs> even that was fighting back. Okay, next week is the semifinals. Believe it or not, the semifinals. Ah, uh, bittersweet time. Season 30's almost over. Well, it's gonna be a double elimination again. I'm very nervous because there'll probably be a bottom three again. The person in the very bottom will probably go home. Well, we'll definitely go home. And I'm so scared that's gonna be JoJo or Amanda, especially JoJo who has very little fan support. Amanda hasn't been in the bottom three or bottom two yet. And either has Iman or uh, Cody. So look for those guys to get through to the finale unless something strange happens like low scores next week. Okay, well that'll be next week. We'll come back and talk about the semifinals, our second to last show. Until then, this is Tony the Engineer. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.